It's a fool's errand. We're also talking about the game on Amigos, episode 385. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Amigos. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And I'm Brent. And today, guys, we are going to be talking about The Fool's Errand. You know, normally this is the time of the show, guys, when we have our ridiculous banter. So I'm going to share some real ridiculous banter with you. Oh, yeah. And this is the tale of why I'm here tonight. So He didn't think I could cut it. (laughs) (laughs) I was on the plane and I said, Violet, turn this ship around. As you may or may not know... The FAA grounded all flights uh, here in the United States uh, on Wednesday morning. And uh, as a result of this, um, my flight to London, my or I'm sorry, my initial flight from Charleston to um, Charlotte was delayed. However, the flight from Charlotte to London was not delayed, meaning I would miss my connecting flight. Ordinarily, this would be no big deal. I'd say, put me on another flight. But they said, no, there's no space on any more flights. You're screwed. And I said, oh. And so. <laughs> That's all you said? Now I'm Did com- you give them the business? Well, I'm, 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 I'm not mentioning the over two hours I spent with the lovely multiple support agents at American Airlines. Because, you know, everybody's having a party when you're on hold with the airlines. Oh. And so, anyway, um, I'm wearing the Amiga Ireland shirt in tribute. Of all the all the boys over there this evening, they look like they're having a great time. Uh, but this year, it just wasn't in the cards. It was a, a freak thing, really, because the the disruption was only for one day. If it would have happened the day before or a day after, everything would have been fine. But the good news is that uh, I got all my money back from the trip, and it was not a cheap trip. Uh, and so uh, I'm looking forward to spending that money on uh, booze and uh, licentiousness. A gold boat? Yes, a gold boat. <laughs> that would be nice. You know, it, time to pick up a new hobby, only to put it away three months from now. <laughs> That's right. That's it really right. is quite amazing. that A problem I've never heard of would happen for a few hours on the worst conceivable day. Yes. And it sucks, but uh, uh, as we've talked about, both these things happen. Yes. And you can let them sour you, or you can do what you did, which is get pro- be proactive, get in some trouble, keep a good attitude, and march forward. <clears throat> and nothing will help you march fur- further and forward more than playing a game like Fool's Aaron. I know you got as much <laughs> in as you could in light of the trip. So I think this is a nice simulation of what would happen over there. Well, see the guy that's walking off the cliff? <laughs> yeah. That's, <laughs> I think that says Very it all. symbolic. Yeah. yeah. We, uh... This is, you know, this is Friday the 13th. Oh. Not the series, by the way, although that's great. You should watch it. Not the movies. Not me. That sounds scary. No, it's awesome. But we've all, I mean, Boat had a double horrible week. I also had a terrible week, and Brent's had a terrible month or so. He's been getting repeatedly killed. Don't worry, folks. My my pain continues. (laughs) Yeah, but with all that said, and I think I can speak for the three of us when I say, we're not going to let that get us down. Because we're no, all, I'm letting it get it me no, down. No, no, shut up. Oh, you're, you're, sorry. you're screwing my gimmick up. <laughs> oh, sorry. We're not going to let us da- that da- keep us down because we've got the unified power of the Commodore Amiga right there. Games on the Amiga to power us through. And we've got the greatest community always behind us, giving us help, uh, being cool <laughs> about it. Giving us help. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he said 
Get behind us, shoving us off cliffs. Giving us help. Help. What's wrong with you two? I'm putting over the community. Uh, and thanks, everybody, for sticking with us. I'm sorry we we're running a little bit late tonight. It's just the weather here is bad. Car problems. Over. We were all. We and Brent had to work overtime. Triple threat. But by God, we're here to give you one, two, three times the fun boat. That's right. That's right. And I'll tell you what else brings the fun. It's the gamble train, baby. Let's talk about this week's Amiga News. Right on, brother. The Chud's in the house. Oh, man. That guy still has a computer? I can't believe it. You guys talk during the robot. I'm sorry. All right, Aaron. Waited it out later. It's time to talk about... Amiga J. Amiga J. What's that crazy cat up to these days? You know, Amiga J, he's famous for one thing and one thing only. Being the world's biggest Amiga fanatic on Twitter. If you need somebody to defend the Amiga CD32 against the likes of the Sega CD, the Jag CD, or even the PlayStation, Amiga J's there. and He's swinging. He's swinging hard. And he puts his money where his mouth is too, Boat. He does. He does. He is the man when it comes to putting together... These uh, these packs of CD32 games. Now, these are oftentimes uh, commercially released games, uh, public domain games, shareware games, and uh, A1200 conversions for the CD32, all kind of packaged together with a neat front end. They're really a must if you are a uh, CD32 owner. Yeah. Aaron, have you ever messed around with either, any of these? Oh, God, yeah. Uh, I used them quite a bit back when I was using the CD32 more heavily. And they're, listen, by the way, Jay will delve into the realm of not public domain, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Licenseware is what he that's calls right. it. That's <laughs> right. He'll crank up a bunch of stuff, but he puts together these great compilations, and they're and they're always great. I was wondering if he'd be, because I hadn't heard anything from uh, Jay in a while in terms of making these things, so I'm glad to see he's still getting it done. By the way, uh, two things. One, we've played a bunch of public domain. It's real good. But, and, I mean, Amiga stuff, me and you've played some stuff that's good, too. And two, you know, I was looking... You know, one of our highest ever, maybe our highest ever watched uh, uh, show ever on YouTube was Public Domania. Can you believe that, boat? It's weird. And it was the, the Pac-Man. The Pac-Man. It's not that old. Mm-hmm. So, Dread Drop Zone. So, people dig it. They love it. They can't, Back in the old days, it was sort of a pox on Public Domain. No one would touch it. Yuck. But now, we've embraced it. So good, good for Amiga J for cranking that up. Any thoughts on this, Brent? Absolutely not. Very I good. have very little insight onto the Amiga 32. Oh my, get into it, dude. That's the high I, new I, thing. I really don't want to. No, you do. Go ahead. Okay. This is the unboxing of the mythical, but not mythical anymore, the factual, uh, new Amiga-branded mechanical PC keyboard from our friend and Amigo sponsor, Simulant, uh, CEO and editor of Amiga Addict and Pixel Addict magazine. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, this is, uh, RMC has got his hot little hands on this thing. This is a uh, an unboxing video where he talks about these, this new keyboard. Now, yeah. you know, I had to admit that when I heard about this keyboard, I wasn't too excited. Because I'm not really what you call a keyboard guy. I'm yeah. the kind of guy that still uses the old $10 Dell special. Yeah, you are. However... This is uh, this tempted me as I watched this video, and I'll tell you why. If you ever put together a uh, sort of purpose-based uh, retro computer using new hardware, for example, if you got one of those Checkmate boxes yeah. that, that Stephen uh, Jones sells, yeah. and you are faced with using that abomination <laughs> of a keyboard case that comes with that thing. Again, he, his... There's no choice in that. There's no choice. There are choices. And there you can now. choose to throw it away like I would no. and take out this bad boy and plug it in. 
Uh, this is a USB keyboard, so it's a modern style keyboard. It has a modern Windows style layout. I believe it's called ISO something something is the, the technical term for that. Um, but uh, it is it has all of the classic hallmarks of the Amiga keyboard, including the red, the, or I'm sorry, the three green status lights for your caps lock and all that junk. You got the, uh, the creamy ivory keys. Neil talks a lot about comparing the whiteness of the keys to all the different models of the Amiga. He, he, he actually physically compares them. Yeah, he physically compares them. So apparently this is a lot closer to the, the, the keyboard shade of the Amiga 600 and 4000 than the earlier models. Yeah. Um, and it comes with some like make your own keycaps too. So if you wanna have a help key, you can pop off one of the keys that's on there and install your own help key. It's got a boing ball key where the Windows key would normally be. Now Brent, you are a mechanical keyboard aficionado yes. of some degree. Uh, on this keyboard, he uses uh, the Cherry Brown <laughs> MX switches, which he calls a good uh, compromise between typing and gaming. It what are is. your thoughts on the switch? Actually, scene? Cherry Browns is what I use on my keyboard at home. Okay, um, my everyday oh, keyboard. Okay, uh, they're a good switch, <laughs> and, and they're they're not as uh, uh, brutally clicky as they can be. Mm -hmm. um, if that's if it's got that through and through, I mean yeah. that's going to make it a good keyboard. The, do the keyboards with that sort of stuff? What it are they, do they cost more than your average? Play? See, I, I know Cherry is a manufacturer, but I don't know much yeah. about the different gimmicks. Uh, I mean, Cherry Browns are pretty standard anymore. Yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, the, for availability. But, I mean, if you were to buy just a, a keyboard with those on it, would that would that be more expensive than your average keyboard? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. What, can you, so, can you well, elaborate? Let, 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 me, let, me, let me put the question to you like this. Yeah, help me out, Boat. You're buying a new, a new keyboard. Okay? All right. What are you paying for your keyboards these days? Being so, somewhat, I'm not going to call you a keyboard snob, but somebody that's particular about I, I would probably, I, I usually put about 120 bucks in my okay. keyboard. Well, you're this, kidding me. This mm. keyboard is a little bit more than that, but not too much. This keyboard is 100 pounds. And uh, and you know with the with their exchange rate, I believe that's about 130, 140 bucks. And you might yep. get it cheaper depending on the day of the week. <laughs> and you know, of course, this is something that will tickle your nostalgia buttons. Uh, apparently, Jonas was talking about, or I'm sorry, Jonah, Jonah was talking about uh, how it was difficult for him to find a beige and white mechanical keyboard of any stripe. Yeah. yeah. These days, you know, people like colors. Of course, the RGB thing is a thing. <laughs> Uh, and so this could fill the slot of you if you just appreciate having a slightly muted uh, color aesthetic. Um, I don't think that this thing is priced crazily at all. He talks, you know, Neil goes into the sort of the saga of these keyboards, how he, Jonah started out wanting to make uh, a CPC keyboard, a Spectrum keyboard. That's, that Spectrum keyboard was the bomb. I all that know. stuff, all that stuff. And, and this is sort of the, what, what, it, what, it, what it came down to was he could only afford to make one model and the Amiga was what he went with. So uh, congratulations to Jonah for getting this keyboard out, and uh, thanks to Neil for producing this really great unboxing video. Yeah, you know, I, I guess I'm the kind of guy that never thought much about these things. I did get a better keyboard than I usually get, which is garbage, and I've enjoyed it a lot more, you know what I mean, yeah. with the mechanical, because I mm -hmm. like, you know me, I like it as loud uh, and responsive as possible. This looks like a solid keyboard. I sent, I sent uh, uh, Jonah a note, because, I mean, we, we were talking about this back when he very first proposed it. So it's good to see that his project get completed. Came through, you know, yeah. And it looks good. And we've all known Neil. It's not, he's going to, 
not going to put this thing over if it's no good. And he said it's his new daily driver. Enough said. Yeah. So there you go. That looks great. It would be great for like uh, any sort of, uh, like the, it, it works perfectly with the, the A500 Mini, for example. Mm-hmm. There you go. All right. All right. Our final news item of the week. It's been a, kind of a slow week for news. Uh, we have a new video from Doug over at 10 Minute Amiga Retrocast, and he's talking about the Indivision Mark III. If you wouldn't mind embiggening that for me so I can actually read the words on the page. Thank you. The Indivision Mark III upscaler uh, and deinterlacer. Now, what brought this on is that Doug is embarking on a quest, and we see this quest fairly often in the retro community, where he's going to take one week and try and use his Commodore Amiga as his daily driver. Oh, man. Now, Brent, have you ever had the desire to uh, to delve deep into your computer past and dig one of those old machines out and only use it for one week? No. Well, first of all, it the uh, the lack of proper uh, HTTP HTML5 support would would drive me insane. Oh yeah, you're not going to be surfing the web, and, and, and that would be the end of me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I can't even stand. Uh, uh, going into interfaces to load games most of the time. So, no, I would not. this would not interest me. I, I think there's a happy medium, boat, if I may. Well, I was going to ask you, Aaron, I know the answer to this question. I could see you doing something like well, this. Well, the happy medium is uh, the uh, PyMega project is a perfect example of something where you get the benefits of, like, a, a, a Linux or something behind it, and you can sort of bounce back and forth, so you can still have, like, a media player, a proper driver, a proper, uh, 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 you know, browser, stuff like that, and you're flipping back and forth. Now, is that what Doug is on? No, (laughs) because Doug's a madman. But a project like that, it lets you bounce around. That's not too bad. You know, you can can get something done and still feel like that you're sort of immersed in that, uh, you know, nostalgic old computer thing. I mean, I think about this quite a bit. If I had to load up, an, if I, like, for example, I used to do a lot of stuff with Windows 98 and Windows ME and stuff and XP. Yeah, but you could exist for the longest time. You could keep going. And the one thing that hosed those machines to make them any part of usable was, that your, was the browser. That, so it's not, it's not like the Amiga is the only one. There's a lot of places that, that the browser just doesn't work anymore. I get a message on my work computer now that says, uh, Brave and, and uh, uh, some of these other browsers won't no longer support Windows 7. So I'm going to be screwed at work here soon because we have we can't upgrade them. Mm-hmm. So uh, the browser is the number one Achilles heel. If you could find a way to get past that, you're gold. It'd be nice if someone could go back and retrofit a modern browser in these old machines. Yeah, and so this, this, uh, this video actually has nothing to do with that. I just thought it would be an interesting yeah. question. Uh, what this video yeah, actually but- does have to do with is uh, using this upscaler in the interlacer. Now, uh, the Amiga can apparently uh, can, Amer- can apparently uh, produce resolutions, crazy high resolutions, like 1,000-something by 1,000-something, but it runs them at really, really crazy refresh rates. It's like 17 Yeah, exactly. Weird stuff, yeah. And so he's, Monitor got this, he's got this gimmick that plugs onto the top of a chip that allows that uh, that upscales these resolutions to a normal to a normal hertz, as it were. Uh, and so uh, he goes through, and you know, Doug, he's crazy about talking about resolutions. He could spend the rest of his life talking about nothing but resolutions and ham. That was his New Year's resolution, right yeah. there. More resolution. And so uh, this is I, I I enjoyed listening to this video. I've discovered the best way to consume Doug is audi- audibly. Uh, I put him on as I'm drifting off to sleep and or driving the car. 
Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and it's well, that seems dangerous to me, Boat. That's and, like a combo. And it's like a little Amiga lesson about all the stuff that I don't normally care about. So oh, there you go. Very good. Very good. Good luck, Doug, on your mission. If any man on earth could pull this off, it's Doug. All right. That wraps up this week's Amiga news. Now it's time to talk about this week's Amigos sponsor, Frank and the boys over at Retro Rewind. Aaron, what can we get? Are you kidding me, Boat? Do you like Amigas? Do you like Commodore machines? Do you like the Coco? We all do, right? Then Frank's your hookup, brother. Yeah. Come see him. Frank at RetroRewind.ca. He will sell you uh, fl- he will sell you flashcard solutions. He will sell you interface hookups. He will f- sell you diagnostic tools, cartridges, sure. Does he have Kickstart ROMs, work with the whole nine yards? Of course. Are you kidding me, sucker? Does he have replacement caps? If you want to recap your machine, you better believe it. Will he cap it for you? Oh, he'll cap it. He'll cap it real good. And I'm talking st- weird stuff, too. Commodore 16. Oh, yeah. He'll take care of business on that. You got one of those CD TVs? No one's got one to think something's melted in there? Take the Frank. Frank will take care of it because he's got decades of real-world experience hands deep into these machines taking care of them. Like 30-plus years of getting it done, keeping it real, like we said. Yeah. Not only that, Frank is a uh, internationally known celebrity personality. Yeah, who's been featured on Tech TV, G Four, all of those, all of those types of things. Boat Fest. He was a featured guest. Featured guest at Boat Fest 2022 and the upcoming Boat Fest 2023. Get your tickets now. Yeah. Boatfest.info. Yeah, and. Of course, the best thing about Frank is that he's just an incredibly, incredibly nice guy. That's right. And his whole crew, yeah, they're down with the clown, brother. RetroRewind.ca. So, fill up your cart with goodies, head on over to the checkout, and plug in the promo code AMIGOS10 before you go. Save yourself 10% off the already low, low prices. We thank Retro Rewind, and we appreciate them being an official sponsor of the AMIGOS podcast. Yeah, man. Aaron, let's talk about the Fool's Aaron. Listen, it's the Fool's Aaron, y'all. Uh, released in 1990. This bad boy, believe it or not, it's funny, last week's game, Castle Mass. Remember that one, Boat? Mm-hmm. One big disc. Yep. I was stunned. This one amazingly stretched the cost expanse of two discs. That is... <laughs> <laughs> two discs, Brent. We've played many games where we were stunned. Elite, one disc. This, two discs. Uh, this was developed by an outfit called Synergistic. Ooh, that's pretty cool. Cool name, mm-hmm. right? And published by Miles Computing. I looked into Miles Computing. They, as far as I can tell, they've done one other title on the Amiga. It's, this is a real uh, brain teaser in itself. Living Jigsaw. Is it a puzzle game? Is it a horror game? I don't know. <laughs> I'm going with the former. Maybe we'll find guess. out one of these days. Uh, this thing was the... Uh, uh, brainchild of a guy named Cliff Johnson, all right? I looked into this. You're going to love this, Brent, this backstory. So Cliff Johnson's a guy, he thought it would be fun to put together a little bit of evening enjoyment for his pals. And so he He's decided... He's from Connecticut, by yeah, the way. Yeah, from Connecticut, uh, much like uh, Coleco. And he was chilling. He's like, I'm going to make some sort of puzzly thing for my friends. And so he started doing it. And he thought to himself, hey... I could get some action out of this. So he got, he got wanted to get some money invested in it. He put together some money, and he put this out, and it, it didn't get over, all right? It was on the Mac. This guy's a Mac guy, Bo, just like you. And so it wasn't getting over that much, but 
uh, over the period of weeks and months, this thing starts getting over, right? Who knows why? Who knows how these things happen, right? And so as it starts getting over, guess what? Publisher shows up. They're like, hey, hello, Cliff. We're EA, brother. Actually, Electronic Arts back in those days. We'd like to get some action on this game. And he'd already spent 50 grand to finance his project. Wow. Holy but, cow. Listen, Fool's Errand is aptly named. It don't come cheap. <laughs> you got to pay. So uh, he got in on it, and EA got in, and the rest is history. This blew up. Believe it or not, this blew up. And it was so popular uh, that it w- got distributed to other machines. Like I said, it came from the, it came from the uh, Apple world, but this ended up uh, being on uh, multiple machines, including the uh, Atari ST, DOS, uh, got it as well. So three, the three big machines got it. Amiga, Mac, STS-4. Four big machines, four, sir. And so this game, in, in some circles, gentlemen, is quite legendary. Now, I'll ask you both. Have either one of you heard of The Fool's Errand before we picked this game up? I believe that I had. Really? And I'll tell you why. All right, got to hear this. I have a book called The Secret History of Macintosh Gaming. All right. Okay. And this, apparently, the Macs had tons and tons and tons of games, uh, and nobody ever talks about them because they were mostly Mac exclusive. Um, And uh, I think that I read the article about this game (coughs) in that book. Pardon me? I couldn't hear you. Yeah, he read it from there. Yeah. Uh, I have not heard of this before, but I I am very uh, familiar with this genre of gaming. Very good. Well, you are? Yes. I was not. So this thing is sold up by 1989. This thing has sold 100,000 copies. That ain't chump change when you talk about old games like in this era. That's a a lot. That's a lot of action. Um, We'll get into the response that that people gave this thing when it came out, but it was actually quite overwhelming. So let's try to summarize what this game is. Uh, The the opening cutscene, let's see, is weird. Let's go with that. It's, it's and like on the version I played, I wanted to ask both of you guys, that's since you both played it. The opening cutscene, I had no sound at all. Was there any sound for you guys? I mean, no, no. music? No, oh, no. no. Yeah. And so it shows uh, this skull that turns into like a woman mm-hmm. with a gimmick on her head. And then it show, the next thing, it flashes to a dude walk to the woods. Uh, and that's the, that's the fool. And the opening cutscene shows the fool just staggering through the woods. And he gets ready to walk off a cliff, and the sun's like, hey! what?" Because the sun talks in <laughs> That's the right, the sun. Did I mention he's a talking character? The sun's like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm just chilling. i got to do my thing. You know, I'm, gonna, I'm trying to find this stuff. The sun's like, listen, you're, gonna, you're so cavalier and casual that you just about walked off that cliff. He's like, eh. Fool no-sells it. Mm-hmm. And the sun's like, listen, you need a map, brother. I'm going to set you up with a sun map. And the fool's like, I can't read this map. And then that's sort of where the game takes off. Uh, that it kind of ushers you to this screen full of tarot cards. Um, what did you guys think of the uh, beginning of this? Did you make what'd you make of it, Brent? Well, I had, I, I went in this completely blind, so I had we no idea. Yeah. I had absolutely no idea. <clears throat> and it doesn't draw. It never just drops you into a game, into a mini game, a puzzle. Yeah. Uh, you have to actively click a button to make the puzzle start. So I thought I was, I had no idea what type of game it was. 
So I was just scrolling through all the text. Yeah. And there's a lot of text. Yeah. And I mean yeah. dozens of screens of text. Yes. Because it's it's each puzzle has its own story text behind it. Right. So if you don't know what's going on, you just click through text forever. Yes. Both this opening screen, we're looking at it if you're watching live. There's three tarot cards. And it, presumably, this is the copy, copy protection. protection. Screen. Um, that's what this is. Sure. I looked at the book, this and I was like, "What does this mean?" So this this made me excited because I like you know I, I've uh, turned a card or two back in my day. But you throw them, isn't that what they say? Well, you, you throw the toe. You turn. You turn them. <laughs> oh. You know that's what Cher said. And they're and a dark lady. You know what I mean? I love that song. Anyway, so. Uh, once you get past that, that's when the scroll of mini games begins. Now, this game was, I'll give Cliff credit on this. A lot of games like this, they just say, hey, pick your game. And you go, it's like, I want to play like, I don't know, word search or whatever. And you go there and you, not this game. This game gives you choices as what to play. And before you play any of the mini games, there's a wacky, stylized, bit of text, quite a bit of text, actually. And often, the game you're playing will, you'll get a clue from the text, and then when you finish the game, if you finish it, there'll be something that was in the game you just played that is in the next batch of text, right? Uh, so, you've got, you can't just, you can't just buzz through this, which I, the first time I played it, I was like, I'm not reading this. Well, that was a big mistake. Now, luckily, the game will let you go back, but you can't buzz past it. So, when the game itself starts, don't expect to be playing the fool in some kind of uh, uh, life and death struggle or uh, some kind of action platform. No, no. These are games that were uh, uh, what I would call uh, a step above edutainment. Uh, basically, is the best way I put it. It's like distraction games. Like you get those books at Kroger's when you're, when you're checking out. It's stuff like word searches and puzzle scrambles and stuff like that. You start the game off, like it's 21 games you can play. But overall, the game would contain 80 of these games. To beat the game, you've got to go through and knock out 80 different little games. But to be fair, they're not 80 unique games. Well, no. But they're, well, they, they oh, this is what I, I didn't go to 80. Newsflash. Yeah. But they're supposed to get harder. <clears throat> and as the level, as you move up the levels, the, the difficulty is supposed to be. I'm sure that part of it depends on who you are. And what you're good at, you know. Some people aren't good at the at a word search, and some people right. are. But how many styles of games are there? That I couldn't I tell think you. there's about six. Yeah. I think now, there's about so six. So let's see if we can, between the three of us, let's see if we can go through them. What did you run into, Boat? So there's word search. Yeah. There is a picture puzzle. There's also a black and white, or color in black, unscramble a word sort of, you, you, you push buttons to make things rotate around. Okay, so you got that thing. You got your uh, tile-based puzzle. Yeah. Um, let's see. Let's not forget the god-awful maze. The maze with the wandering winds. Oh man, I hate those winds. And there's a, like a crossword. Right. So those are the those are the six that. There's also one where you have to type in letters to fill in the blanks of okay. the word. So that's seven. Well, you said crossword twice. Oh, okay. So we're, let's say eight, because I'm sure there's some stuff we haven't seen. But this is the kind of action you're going to get. Like the very first thing I did, in fact, it's on the screen right now. How many countries? Name all the countries in this word surge. It's all uh, it's all up and down and left and right. There's no diagonals. There's nothing backwards. And you've got to find like 
think it was like 26 or 27 country names. France, Germany, Sweden, stuff like that. That's the game. And then once you do that, then it will advance the story sort of to the next uh, you know, thing. You can go in a certain order or you can skip around. And when you skip around, you get that chunk of the story yeah. before you move along. Um, okay, full disclosure. It took me longer to get past the word search than I care to admit. And I had to bring Luke in to help me. I'm like, what am I missing? What am I missing? I got to where there were two left and then I had trouble. For some reason, I could not find Scotland. And that's why I know, because I've memorized it. I saw it there now. I couldn't find Scotland. And then I also got the one where you had to name the vegetables. And after you get down towards the end... I know there are a bunch of crazy vegetables that I don't know. You know what I mean? So I was looking for one that was like Mellory or something. Like I was like, where is it? Where is it? Uh, so those were hard. Then the, you've got the old slide around. It's not a sliding tile. No. It's just a big wad of stuff. Yeah, it's, just to make a, work. it's a swap a swap tile puzzle. This was infuriating to me because it took me forever. And then when I got to the end of it, I had two, the, two eyebrows were swapped, but they looked perfect. You couldn't tell. I was like, why won't this end? Yeah, the, the, the thing that makes this different than a lot of these types of games that you normally see is you normally have some sort of idea of the picture you're trying to make at the end. Like, it's a tiger. Yeah. Or it's the beach or something like that. But this is sort of like an abstract, yeah. weird picture that doesn't even make sense totally when you solve it. Yeah, you have to go by the framing of the screen to even have mm. any chance to get past it. The word ones, some of them weren't that bad. Some were. But that, I ultimately got past them. The one I hated the most, the most, all right, was that godforsaken maze. That maze took forever because it's a maze, and the walls appear when you get near them with your little cursor guy. And then sometimes you'll run into a W, and when you do, it shoots you across the, the maze. One, it's the wandering yeah. wind. It's the wandering suck, quote. <laughs> If either one of you tell me I enjoyed that, it was tremendous. I'm going to jump and punch. That's how mad it made me. I like that one far more than some of the me others. Me too. Me too. Which, in fact, that was that might have been in my in my top. It looks so easy when you started. Well, yeah. Because the whole screen's blank and you can see the exit. I'm yeah. like, I'm like, I'm out of here. I was not out of there. Horrible. You know. So, which ones was your least and most favorite? Let's just go with my that. favorite. I don't know. I've always been a sucker for a word search. I just find them relaxed. Did you? Did so, it relax you? No, because it made me insane because I knew it was easy because there were no diagonals and there were no backwards yeah. words, but I still couldn't find Greece. Yeah. Well, and, the problem with the word searches yeah, is there weren't a list of words you were supposed to right, find. Right. That was also uh, that was also frustrating. Yes. Uh, I also enjoyed the maze game. I didn't. I didn't hate it. I thought oh, it was fine. Man, I hate. And what would really be bad is when you accidentally move your little cursor onto a dub, yet it shoots you across the maze. You're like, no! And you've got to go the exact route to get over. Oh, and Luke was in there with me when I was doing it. I told Luke if he hadn't been there helping me, I would have. By helping, I mean just laugh and pointing. I would have thrown the monitor through the other monitor because I hated it so much. What about you? Do you have at least the most? Uh, well, let's see. I can't spell worth a darn. Yeah, I was so going to say the word Anything that had to do with spelling. Yeah. Like, you mean all of it? <laughs> what do you like the maze? I can see why now. Like, one of the countries was like Yugoslavia. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Which it's no long. idea. It's long. No, yeah, but I didn't even know what was supposed to be there, so I wasn't looking for it. Yeah, y- Yugoslavia for someone who can't spell. Like if I wrote it down, it would just look like a random bunch of characters. Yeah, in a word search, that's yeah. tough to find. Yeah, so that um, was your least. <coughs> no, no, 
this, I didn't get to hear my least favorite. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I thought you mentioned. What is it, Bode? It's the one where you have a you have a sentence at the bottom that look like computer keys, and you have to press those in a certain sequence to get uh, various geometric shapes to align to make a shape that you don't know what that shape is. Oh, I didn't even understand I mean, that. I, yeah. I, I don't think I saw I, that one. I got the hint book. By the way, this is another one of those games where the author says, I made tons more money selling the hint book yeah. than I did selling the game. Yeah. I got the hint book, and I followed each direction. It was a 14-step process. Yeah. And at the end of it, it made the letter A and I. And there was no clue that that was what you were supposed to be doing. Yeah. And I had no idea what I was doing to affect that outcome. I mean, it was, that was my least favorite because I had no idea what I'm was going I'm assuming we all looked or at least glanced at the rules for this, right? Did you get, did you look at What do you mean, rule, rule, like rule the, book? The, the, the instruction manual. No. Did you look at it, Bo? Yeah, I looked at it. It does not explain how to do the puzzles. I expected more. Yeah. So much more for the manual. And it's thin. It's wafer thin. Well, that was my biggest complaint with the game. It wasn't that the puzzles were too hard or too easy. It, <coughs> excuse me. It wasn't that uh, uh, it was very wordy. Nothing is explained. Nothing. And there were so many times I was sitting in front of a puzzle, and I was like, I don't know where to start. Right. So I have right. no chance of winning. Yeah. Uh by the when way, you don't know where to start and you don't know how it is, <coughs> that's bad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that the, the, the puzzle thing was, I mean, you have no idea, you have no point. Of, Luke was like, like for example, are the words, what are you looking for? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what I'm looking for. Yeah. Uh, the word search, oddly enough, was probably my second or third favorite because I at least knew what I was right. doing. <laughs> uh, the maze was by far my favorite. Oh, God. Yeah, I can't it, believe that. It, I can't because believe I would enjoy that. I understood what it wanted, and I... Was had the tenacity to make it happen. Yeah, so, it's, ahead, it's funny that you mentioned that this was a Mac game. Yeah, because even if I didn't have some dim recollection of seeing it in that book, this just screams to me classic black and white Macintosh game. The way that the drop down, you know, menus oh, work, yeah, yeah, all of that stuff, you know, sort of B level on the fun scale. Yeah, uh, and so. It, I can definitely see it, and they didn't go to any great pains uh, transforming this into the Amiga version. Let's put it this way. It's a B-level game with a CGA level appearance. <laughs> yeah. And also, they ported over the uh, DOS sound as well, yeah. which is... <laughs> and the funny thing is, when you screwed something up, it made this noise. <laughs> and you can hear the noise reset. In the background, yeah. did you notice that? Yep. yep. And it would come back up and was like, this is the lowest of the low. It's like an electromagnetic game. <laughs> it was like a relay yeah. activated, like in the Coco. They've been they were using it like in the Coco. So yeah, that's so and the funny thing is the opening graphics aren't bad. No. With the chick and the rainstorm they're, they're, and stuff. That's the extra disc right yeah, there. They're okay. Yeah. But I mean, I'm, but listen, I'm not saying they're great, but I mean they're also just a still photo, basically, with some with, with, and some and that chick. That, that was the sexiest skeleton I've ever seen. She turned hot real quick. I don't know. The PS2 port in her, in her forehead kind of killed it That's for true. me. Well, listen. She could plug. She could get a converter and plug in the uh, Jonah's keyboard right in. So get this, guys. I'm just going to give you... Cause I, I, I'm anxious to see if you knew this. So it says here, according to the, to the information I gathered from Wiki and Moby, the plot focuses on the full card of the tarot, who's the protagonist of the story. And the fool's journey takes him through four kingdoms, each representing a suit from a minor arcana of the Tara. Did anybody get any of this? Well, uh, here's the thing: we meant we for totally forgot this game. 
So there's like a game that you play with tarot cards as one of the games. Did you guys come across that one? Yes. Okay. No, I didn't see that so one this, either. He was just playing it a second ago when we were watching the playthrough. And it's sort of, the you see, you're playing against the old man, or your, your opponent's just known as old man. He shows you his cards, and you have to draw a card that completes one of the sets of your cards to beat his his set. Okay. Um, they don't, again, they don't explain Zero how Zero explanation. Works. But you can see, like, okay, he's got the, uh, he's got, you know, he's got the hermit, and the, he's got the astral pair. See, the sun and the moon, and that beats the high priest. So what? you basically have to play this game over and over again to learn well, the rules before you can win. Did you learn them? No. Oh, okay. Because no, no. you just sent it through casually. I was like, wow. <laughs> I clicked, well, it's a poker tarot card. <laughs> I clicked the center card a whole lot and hope I won. I never did. Oh, there was a few times on some of the word things. I was just like, let's type in random characters and see if I got lucky. And I did. I was like, yeah, I won. I got one. So, yeah, there's a lot of backstory. A lot of this involves, like, the coming across the guy hanging upside down and blah. And I mean, you can see how this would get over, especially with Snooty yeah. Mac owners, because I'm like, oh, this is so upscale. Look at this backstory. It's so clever. But when you push comes to shove, Boatster and the Brentster, what you got here is some cleverly worded gimmicks, right? Some, uh, some deals. Like but they're, they're mixed up with just a bunch of lame o unfair, boring puzzle games. Stop me if I'm wrong here. Well, they, they, you're, you're absolutely wrong. Okay, what do you think? There are, um, is this game for me? No. But there are genre of games out there that their whole gimmick is they put you into a world absolutely choked full of puzzles and and just say, go. And the puzzles will lead to other puzzles and tell this huge overarching story and they're incredibly popular. This is just a very early one of those. Uh-huh. So I can't get mad at the game. I, I mean, I want to get mad at the game. The game is certainly has its flaws. Yeah. Because when you drop into a puzzle game like this and you have no clue, yeah. it's supposed to take very easy little puzzles with, like, the word search. Instead of filling up the full screen, it should have been, like, a 4 by 4 square and have you find one or two words right. to get your feet under you and grow and grow from that. Yeah. This game did not do that. Yeah. But I know this is a popular genre of gaming. Yeah. To me, this game, games like this live and die by the quality of the puzzles. Yeah. And the puzzle, and, and I don't want to say these puzzles were of poor quality. I want to say that they were explained poorly. Yes. Um, you know, Brent's talking about games like Professor Layton, which is a huge, huge game on the mobile games. And it's exactly what this is. It's exactly what this is. You've got a story and you've got puzzles. And the thing that I like about this game is that it gives you plenty of options to choose from. Yeah. You never have to beat a puzzle to get to something else unless you do. And they open up a lot of puzzles right off the bat. Yes. There's probably about 10 that you can do right off the bat, which is like pretty 21, fair. they said. And so... That, I can't, like I said, if only they would have just put a, either, like Brent said, start you off with, a, you know, a little bit easier puzzles to ease you into it, or at least provide explanation on how to work the puzzles, yeah. this game would have been a good game. Because I like the story. I thought that the writing was good. Gosh, compared to most of the Amiga games that we play in the manuals oh, we read, on. this game, you can tell it was written by a native English speaker that wasn't from one of those weird countries. And so uh, this is a great 
a great game except for the central conceit of the game, which is the puzzles, which make it not a great game. Well, listen, I thought I don't agree with you. I thought the interspersed narrative was goofy and ununderstandable. Like it did nothing. I, don't, I think it was someone who was trying to be clever, but in actuality wasn't clever at all. I didn't get any of it. I didn't think any of it was that good. You mean the story? The act, just the text just story. Just the text. It didn't do anything for me. It was okay. It was. It was. It was just someone who was it thought they were cool. And maybe this is just above me. Maybe I'm a duller, and it was actually quite brilliant. But it didn't do it for me. And it, one thing's for sure, it didn't help me enjoy the game. Now, were the puzzles on their own, individually, occasionally fun? Listen, I like a good puzzle. You know, I sat there and did some puzzling. You know, but. It's not something I'd want to do over and over or pay big money for. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, it's, uh, it's, it is what it is. It, like, I guess you guys boasted this. People, some people will like it. Some people won't like it. I don't like it. But we can all agree on one thing. They did a crap job porting this. They used nothing of the Amiga's power at all. Yeah. There's the, the graphics. Cheap and dirty. I, I was going to put a comparison with the CGA, but it's pretty much the same base bear. Yeah. It's a, it's a, a poor effort of porting. And they didn't care enough. Uh, to bother, uh, to to bother, and they could have. I mean, listen, the game like this, a real sparse game, right? Crank that thing up. Give us some good tunes. Something we can listen to while we're doing this crap. They should have had like ten different songs that were rotating. Listen, we're talking about the Amiga here. No yeah, but the DOS version didn't have it songs. either. That's because this is a straight port of DOS. It's yeah, like, Bo, you're asking a lot of a game. No, like we're that. not. Listen, don't be nasty, Boat. Bad boy. No, it's not that bad. What's that? Listen, uh, just to close up on this thing, I had a look uh, at the uh, reviews on this, and then we'll get to the Discord. Uh, so, Lemon People, those are my people, okay? They were with me on this one, 6.5. It's not like Crappiola, but it's Crappiana, all right? Uh, Amiga Format dropped a big 7-0 on this thing. Amiga Joker, are you kidding me? <laughs> 49%. They weren't buying it. CU Amiga gave this a 91%. So they were Aussies dug it. And Info gave it 3 out of 5 for an average magazine rating of a big 7-0. Uh, we got some Discord, sweet, sweet Discord action on this, if you'll allow me. Uh, our good friend Pajaco6502 writes, Sadly, I've not had enough time to sink into this one, but having just finished up an escape room-style advent calendar, the Fool's Error reminded me so much of that that I really liked what I played. Part text adventure, part puzzle game. It was compelling and fun. Graphics and sounds could have been better for an Amiga game. No kidding. But after 10 minutes, you forgot about that and just were engrossed in the game and the story. I like uh, that you can go back and forth between puzzle games, meaning you're not stuck on one, uh, on one thing the whole time. You possibly need some familiarity with tarot cards to play some of the games, but in this day and age, you can easily look it up. Something a little different, and I can see why. I can see in your future that you will try this out and enjoy it. Very clever. Seven out of ten. We actually got another review. This is our good buddy Z9K9. Uh, he writes with an unusual and generously nonlinear structure. This is a puzzle book that amounts both literally and metaphorically to more than the sum of its parts, like a jigsaw within it. It plays on one's desires to see the pieces of the story placed back together. The writing is sweetly folkloric and tinged with a philosophical levity. EGA-style EGA graphics aren't quite, up, uh, aren't quite as sharp as the Mac original. Still quite lovely. Personable and memorable. 8 out of 10. And I did forget, we also had a, a, a review from our good buddy Chris Folds, currently residing in Ireland, who writes, The Fool's Errand. 
CGA graphics, terrible sound, and puzzles that are as much fun as visiting the dentist 2 out of 10. Mm, Very Not a fan. For, for the Foldster. I looked this up on eBay, fellas. Guess what? This is a rare game that got tons and tons of American sales. Yeah. This is being sold all over the states. So they must have brought this over and sold this in various religious bookstores, for example. Walden saw. So, something tells me this didn't make it to many religious bookstores. Well, we well, had to, yeah. <laughs> Here, buy my tarot game. <laughs> listen, listen you're, uh, this you're game, on my this, this is a, this is exactly a game that you'd find at a bookstore, though. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it's full of words. So, this uh, on eBay, uh, sealed copy. This sealed, by mm-hmm. the way, in the U.S., eighty bucks. Complete box, sixty bucks. The discs, ten bucks or best offer. In the U.K., one hundred twenty-one bucks or best offer. Seventy-two bucks or best offer. And one last item, I found the box with no discs on sale from Ohio and placed a bid on this, and I think I'm going to win it, nine bucks or best offer. So I will, <laughs> I'm going to place this lovingly aside from Yolanda and Top Banana in my cavalcade of crap. It'll be it'll fit in there quite nicely. Uh, an interesting game, though, I think, fellas. Yeah. All right, Aaron, what's been going on as we leave the fool's errand? We go on to another fool's errand. This is the joke that keeps on giving us every, every section of the show. Uh, what's been going on on the YouTube channel? All right, man. So, uh, so to start off uh, this week, Boat, and Boat, I'm going to let you speak on this because this was quite a show here, my friend. Me and you took a good hard look at a little thing I like to call, bam, Star Trek The Rebel Universe on the Atari ST. Yeah, yeah. So, of course... Uh, you know, this is a Star Trek game featuring the original cast. It has a wacky plot worthy of the many wacky plots in Star Trek. Listen, there's no plot in Star Trek this wacky. <laughs> and uh, this is a, you know, an, an, an honest attempt from a developer to give you control over the various crew members and yeah. aspects of a Star Trek show. Everything from, uh, you know, firing the phasers at the Klingons to doing away team things. Uh, does it succeed in every category? No. Does it succeed in many categories? No. But it is it is not a bad game. Nah. It's not horrible. It's I, not horrible. I have a question. Yes. Why were you loading the ste- <clears throat> your, your away team into a revolver there? <laughs> that's the, that's a, see someone else said that. Some smart pants. If you look at the, if you look at the teleport pads, that's mm-hmm. the way they look from above. From above. Uh, yeah, which is the way not, that you want to look at. It's not a revolver. So if you're looking to find a something ST related to watch, just like Captain Kirk always says, make it so. That's wrong. Hey, Brent, while we've got you here, the Brent, your thoughts on the the Star Trek mythos. Do you have a favorite? What's your opinion? I think you're uh, a next gen guy. I am. What do you think about the would this be something you could get into? No. <laughs> Made a few words. Fair enough. Uh, no, I mean, if I wanted to be on the on the uh, bridge of the of the Enterprise or any of its sister ships, I'd, uh-huh. I'd put on the VR game and play that because it was awesome. So we talked about that boat. Isn't that amazing? Mm-hmm. Well, there you go, Brent. So uh, next out on the uh, docket here, Brent, I'll let you talk about this. It's us. We get to, we get to cover us on the show. This is games banned for stupid reasons. Yes. This was a uh, <coughs> wacky category, but we did have a little fun with it. We did. Yeah, we looked at a couple games that were banned in uh, either some countries or several countries for reasons that weren't just violent. It wasn't just they were uh, sexy too content. sexy time yeah. uh, or religious-based. 
Yeah. It was for reasons well outside that scope, and it showed some of the uh, underbelly, as it were. What game is this that we're watching? We are watching EverQuest, the original EverQuest demo. (laughs) Or uh, uh, tutorial. your face. Why are you so stunned by that? I thought EverQuest was a third-person game. Is it is it first? I've never played EverQuest before. It can actually. Yeah, I mean, you can be you can scroll out and yeah, be third person. Gimmick. Oh, yeah. okay. <clears throat> but uh, we took a look at EverQuest and uh, Under Pressure. Exactly. It's Echo. You got to get the whole thing in there. Mark Echo's getting up under pressure. That's right. And it was a fun little time. I hope somebody. I hope some people check it out. I hope somebody watches. That's more appropriate. Bo, do you know who Mark Echo is? He I'm is, taking a quiz. He is a fashion guy. You're right. Yeah. How did you did you did you ever have any of his fashion? Uh, were you one of the people that had some of his fashion stuff? I never considered myself to be cool enough to wear any of his. He has a rhinoceros or something on his. That's uh, right. Apparel. He knows more yeah. than. Did you listen to the show yet or watch mm-hmm. it? So look at you. We should have you on as like a guest consultant. <laughs> yeah. So that, and then Boat, I guess we might as well talk about this real quick, so we'll p- plug it a little bit. Yeah, we're playing Coco Bond uh, next week on the Coco Show, and there was no Coco Bond footage on the internet. Yeah. So I took it upon myself to um, show off my Soco Bond skills and play some Coco Bond, uh, so we have some footage to look at. So if you're interested in getting a sneak peek at this week's Coco game, uh, make sure you uh, check that out. Uh, I'm looking forward to, we're going to try and rig up a system where we can actually have the game's author on the show with us. Uh, and uh, I've been talking to him on the Coco Discord, so check that out. It's a good game. I'm glad you did this because I don't talk about this much, but you know, often I'll grab some footage for the show to put on here for his enjoyment. And here in the past like month, the Pickens have been we played some obscure stuff, mm. and it's not like there's a ton of fools airing out there either. Right. And, if, and I thought I'll just record my own, and if you'd recorded mine, it would have been me sitting <laughs> in a puzzle for like 20, 30 minutes at a time, just going like, no. So thank God we found something. Let's switch over to the Amigos. Bam. Stream team. Look who's back. Look who's back in circulation. It's Happy Coding. He's back, brother. Uh, with an all-new ZX Spectrum programming. So there's a lot popping right there. Uh, but uh, he's got a lot of ZX <laughs> tips. I know he did one this week, so we'll have another one next week. And I noticed that our good buddy 48K Ram was back in action this week. So you can look forward to that next week. Uh, so ZX programming get in on it because happy coding knows his stuff doesn't he guys he does yes Yes, absolutely now here's one i found from the mystery hole boat you probably not even know about this this is an insert this too where i was doing something and you just walked in one night you weren't supposed to be here you didn't tell me you were coming and i never so i put i put it up here we talk about for some reason the jupiter ace and then we talk about a bunch of other stuff. <laughs> that was what I just, I couldn't contain myself anymore. I needed to talk to you about the Super Ace. Yeah. And so, so and this was also right after we got kicked off of YouTube. Mm-hmm. The, the, so this is a lot of me and you chatting. I thought, well, this is wacky. Unreleased footage. Now I watched to make sure we didn't say anything too horrible and I posted it. Oh. Screw it. Nice. So there you go, Boat. So even you might have to go back and watch this yeah. one. Might be good for I'm a curious while. about why I left ARG Presents. I have a good idea <laughs> because this got threatened here, right That's here. True. The big man. That is all. Don't touch me. We've got. I'll touch you. You ready? Bam. Before we do that, boat. Okay. The phone, we got something to talk about. We got an event coming up, and now it's close enough to where we can get into it, boat. Mm-hmm. And what is that event, my boat chiller pal? Amiga Thon. Amiga Thon. Amiga Thon. This is Amiga Thon Seven. Wow. Lucky Seven. Wow. Yep. And uh, it's going down, Aaron, February 18th. So make sure you uh, check us out uh, February 18th 
right here on twitch.tv slash Amigos Retro Gaming. We would love for you to join us in lovely Amigos Studios. The Brent will be there. Oh, the man. Aaron will be there. There will be special guests. There will be a party. Really? Um, yeah. Cool. Yeah. And uh, We're going to be in the basement. I'm mostly glad that it's the 18th because I couldn't remember and I was afraid it was the same day as wrestling. But Don't it's worry. Not. Wrestling's on the 11th. I made sure that we moved it to the week after. It's all part of my cunning plan. Nice work. This is going to be great. I'll tell you why. It's not because we're just friendly fellows and you'll enjoy watching us for 12 hours. That's not it. Right? It's not because we're going to be playing Amiga games nonstop. Continuous Amiga action, right? I'm glad it's none of those things. It's none of those things. It's because <laughs> this is our yearly effort to help out folks that need some action. This is a rough year. And it's rough on everybody. It's rough on people that are doing okay, people that are doing bad. It's real bad for people that, don't, that are really in bad shape. And this is the kind of action you put together uh, for the kids. Get it going. Get a little action for them. They could use the bucks. Things have gotten more expensive. Charities are important. They're not, probably more important than they've ever been. And I'm very honored to be a part of an event like this. It makes me feel good, fellas. Not to sound cheesy. Yeah. And so, it also is a good time. You can go to Amigathon.com and donate today. We've already got 75 big buckaroos in the business. Oh my gosh. Wow, I missed some donations. So look at so that. 75 You've already bucks. donated. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you very much. Uh, Boat, anything else you want to throw out before we throw this out? Um, Hey, guys at Amiga Ireland, I hope you're having a great time. Uh, and uh, I'll try, hopefully, next year. Or there may be a special something going on this summer over in uh, Across the Pond, as it were. The details will be forthcoming soon. Yeah, because even I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Hey, let's see what we're playing next week, Bo. All right. Hopefully, we don't show the right monitor. Oh, man. Is that what I think it is? It's F another flight sim. F-29 Retaliator. Man, I swear, there's a flight swim about every <laughs> single combat vehicle ever created on the Amiga. Just take an F and strap something <laughs> behind right. it. F-74, 33. You choked Brent. He's dying over here. <laughs> so... Join us, won't you, as we pilot the stealth fighter, the F-29, uh, on next week's show from Ocean. Now, we leave you with a, uh, with a thank you to all of our Patreon supporters. If you'd like to support our wacky endeavor, uh, please go to uh, patreon.com slash amigos podcast, and uh, you can uh, slip us a couple bucks. We will give you access to our Discord channel, give you a nice uh, magnet at the end of the year. Uh, and, uh, yeah, you can be part of the team, part of the Amigos family. So, we leave you with our, uh, with the haunting love theme from, um, from Fool's Errand. Uh, I can't remember what I put I was as the you haunting you got, love theme. Because the love theme would just be silent. Yeah. As the credits I, roll. I think I, I, I chose, uh, a haunting love theme from another Amiga game. <laughs> oh, why, <wise> choice. <laughs> we'll see you guys next week, and until then, Adios! adios.